It's the Walking Well Podcast, and I'm your host, Jalon Martz. Um, we spent the past two weeks having, I feel like, a really great conversation about race and whiteness and um, all those things. But I figured, you know, since we're here sitting in uncomfortable truth, why don't we just keep that vibe going? So we're getting into a couple of weeks now, um, ahead of us anyway, of conversations about female sexuality, whether that be equality, um, trauma, pornography. We're just going to talk about it because that's what season four is about, right? Like where we live our lives. And so sexuality is a part of being human. And I just would love to have more conversations, more open and candid conversations about um, that sexuality as well as female sexuality and what equality looks like in that space. Um or I guess in that area of our lives. And so um, our guests today are my some of my favorite people because I have lots of favorites, y'all know. Um, but I'm so excited to have them on and to just share them with you because they've been in my life for a nice little minute now. And I'm just super excited for you to be able to hear them. So without further ado, we are gonna hop into this conversation about equality in female sexuality. Listen in. Hey guys, this is the Walking Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Jalon Martz. Thank you so, so much for listening. It's season four. And as you guys know, as we're hopping into season four, we're talking about where we're living our lives, how we're doing life, and what that looks like to do it with Jesus. So we spent season three talking a lot about our internal lives, our inner selves, and just um, really working on that. And so we're now kind of taking it outside of that and looking at the roles, the spaces, all those things that we occupy. And so along those lines, I have these amazing people. I'm so excited. You have no idea. Um, If you listen to the podcast for a long time, you know that I often quote my spiritual parents. Um, Usually I give them credit on the first go. On the second go, I just say, you know, God has revealed (laughs) this to me. (laughs) But they're really amazing people. I love them dearly. They're so awesome. And so we are talking about sexuality today. So if you've got your littles with you, this is probably not the episode, or maybe it is the episode because that's like a really great conversation starter sometimes. But um, we are going to be talking about some pretty heavy, deep stuff. So if um, you're not quite there with your younger kiddos, this is not the episode for them. Um, So I have with me my spiritual parents, Pastors Michael and Connie. um, And I'll give you guys a little bit of space to kind of talk about who you are and what you're doing now. They were my pastors from 2009 to 2015. um, When they transitioned out of lead pastoring, they are forever pastors in my brain. So, um, but so what are you guys doing now? Where are you now well, well first, of all, first of all uh and i know we're talking you know audio here but m- the smile on my face as you're talking i'm just like ah this is, uh, this is a big deal for us yeah. so we are it's honored joy to us. yeah i mean to see you to see god working through mm-hmm. you of course thank god for social media because right. you know otherwise we'd have no idea what's going on with anybody but even though you're just like a little little square on our all our feeds uh it's a joy to see what's happening in your life and the fruit and uh we can see Christ shining and to be part of the podcast is like, you know, the, the, the icing on the cake or whatever it is. So, so thank you. Yes, um, this is, you. this is cool. This is, I mean, like, I feel like I got to cover my face. <laughs> like smiling weird. So it's really, and this is a real joy for us. And I don't know if you know, but we are fans of you. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we watch and we see all the things you're doing. And so we have no doubt, you know, we've watched over the years. So we have no doubt that you're doing what you're doing now because you've always been, 
an incredible young woman and you're continuing to grow into that more and more. Yeah. And I'll say this here as we start into the, to the episode, um, we, we like you more than we like your brother. <laughs> yes. So, oh, this is the podcast. This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just putting that just out there. Just if we were on there. his podcast. We yeah. And if we were on his podcast, it'd be, it'd be different. It'd be different. Yeah. different. I understand. Yeah, totally. So don't, don't ever listen to that one. Right, right, right. Just this one. This is the only one that matters. Okay. So where are we? We're, um, <laughs> where are we is a good question. Um, we're in a, we're in a new season. So we, we, we were associate pastors. I was associate pastor for 12 years and I was a, a lead pastor for 13 years. And now we're kind of pastoring pastors mm-hmm. and taking leaders like yourself who are um, stepping out into different spheres of influence, using the influence God has given them vocationally, uh, and um, kind of mixing the vocation and the assignments and the visions together on that adventure with God. You know, Father, I'm walking this out. Where am I at today? You know, a lot of people are um, kind of devising the plan based on the best options, but spirit led people are say, okay, I see options over here, but father, where would you have me to be? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're doing now. In addition to that, we're writing, um, written three books, uh, already got three more coming out, hopefully in 2020, um, doing some children's, uh, books work, which we really like, mm-hmm. um, uh, written one book on spiritual kind of relationships and connection and mentoring. And then, uh, our most recent book is on, uh, the subject of great married sex, uh, which is uh, part book one of seven. There's going to be seven in the series uh, dealing with kind of all aspects of the subject. So um, that's what we've been doing. What else we've been doing? We still do consulting. We still preach. We do conferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, got a 12 year old and a 15 year old, which you were at one time. So you yeah. know how that, that's full time ministry yeah. in itself. Homeschooling and all of that. So a life, you know a life you know very well. A life yeah. you know very well. Mm-hmm. They always said that when you have teenagers, it's not like you. They need you any less. They probably need you more. And we are in the thick of it. And we have no complaints. We are blessed. Our children are great. And we're just continuing to guide them as much as we can for the next few years while they're still in our house and everything. Uh, Hopefully to put them on the path that God has them for. Yeah. And Olivia, who you knew as a little baby, you know, know. 15 and a half, going to be almost 15 and a half, uh, working towards uh, all the driving and all that kind of stuff coming up. And she's a bright light. We're trying to just turn her plant towards what God has. Mm-hmm. And Mikey, who I guess was two when you came to the church, is now 12 and a half uh, and uh, getting tall and voice getting deep and shoulders getting broad. <laughs> so uh, as you, you know, so yes. that's uh, it's big time. So we got we got a lot going on. You do. Your kids are actually like ridiculously phenomenal. Mikey is like, I'm like, oh, such a cool dude. He is so cool. And Olivia is gorgeous. Yes. So, oh my gosh, you're, yes, they're phenomenal. It's, it is exactly like that. Like watching, they were little, little, little. Little, when yeah. They first came. You knew them when. You knew them when. Yeah. Well, you're very kind. You're yes, very thank kind. You. Thank you. They're gorgeous. Okay. So, starting off, so, you know, being a part of like your congregation and all of that stuff, I know I have a heart for uncomfortable truth. That's just something I love. <laughs> and you guys are like, <laughs> the the poster people for uncomfortable truth, sure, which sure. is like, oh Jesus, you knew what you were doing. And yeah. so there have been so many years where you know you guys would just kick over religious cows and it'd be like, oh yeah, that's so good, <laughs> yes, you know. And it was your fault. You were cheering. On. I, I was. It. I was like, say it, say it, <laughs> push it in the back. Um, and so there were so many times I know, like just sitting, you know, under y'all's leadership and and uh, where you would say things that were just like. I think you guys started tiptoeing a little bit into great married sex, probably mm-hmm. around the time, 
2009, 2010. I don't know when it was. You are right on. Yeah, right. yeah. That's when it happened. When it happened. Mm-hmm, because I remember yeah. you got in trouble with the. I, uh... I did. We did. We did. So, <laughs> so a lady, a lady put something on Facebook who was one of our members. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think she was a serial visitor. I don't know if she was a member at that time. She joined later, and her heart was broken. She mm-hmm. discovered her husband was at work. She found a stash of his pornography, and was basically like just venting on social media as we often do. Um, and was like, you know, what do these fake boobed, fake hair women have that he would want that I don't have? And I saw this. And of course, pastorally, I'm concerned for her, concerned for him. Didn't really panic me that much. There's a lot of people that have stuff going on. And, and in church, you kind of really know there's a lot of things. Um, but I wrote what I perceived to be a caring and encouraging response. That response generated so much response. And we got flooded with questions. And then that well, let's answer this. Let's answer that. And then it was like, okay, I can't can't do question and answer forever. So we decided to launch a blog, and just as subjects came to us, and that turned into things. And I mean, people started inviting us around because, unfortunately, the concept of sex, the idea of it, is so unnecessarily taboo. It's it's so tied to our personhood, but yet in 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 the church where we're, where we're trying to reconcile our personhood and our experience with the divine mind and what God's will is for that experience. It's like, we don't talk about the things so, so central to, to humanity. The, the very definition of humanity comes from this idea of human sexuality. So um, we, we have gotten in trouble a little bit. We've made some people upset, uh, but mo- mostly by and large. I mean, I think they did that one news report on us. Uh, which mm-hmm. is strange, we are in, we uh, in the newspaper or whatever. We're in the newspaper. Of, uh, Facebook. <laughs> uh, a newspaper on every five o'clock news channel, which people say is controversial. What is controversial? Mm-hmm. You know, I said, look, if you're a husband, you should serve your wife in this mm-hmm. manner. And, you know, that that was what I thought first. I guess I thought it was just on my Facebook page, realize, not realizing everything is everywhere. <laughs> it's in the world. But the things that have happened, have the fruit from it has been tremendous. So mm-hmm. you are correct. It was 2009. That's right. When it, right, yep. 9, 10 was mm-hmm. when it happened. Yep. Yeah. And so then I think maybe 2016, 2017, maybe even 2018, when you guys did the Instagram live. And it was kind of like, Pastor Connie, you were leading a little bit more talking about like equality and you know, what should be as opposed to what people are telling you is. And that was another moment of like, I hadn't even thought of this that way. Because I've been in like human sexuality courses where they show you like, oh, men, you know, need sex. Women need affection and relationship. And just for you to kind of begin to unravel that, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have never heard of this before. This wasn't even a perspective that was offered to me. And so, um, so let's kind of start like, where we are. So as it relates, especially to like feminine sexuality, because most of our listeners are women, like, where are we? Um, how did we get here? You, you kind of talked or touched on it when you said things are really unnecessarily taboo. So like, how would you describe the landscape of feminine sexuality, sexuality at large right now? I don't, I don't know if I as a man should answer. Yeah, I'll start and then, yeah, let me, let me, let me, I'll start and you'll just interrupt like you always do. (laughs) Look, this is supposed to be a friendly conversation. I'll get about five words out and then you'll jump right in. Um, It's very interesting where I feel like we're at. First of all, when you mentioned that, you know, around that, you know, 2016, um, when we did, I think there was a Facebook Live is Mm -hmm. where it kind of started from. A lot of that came out of things that I had been going through Mm -hmm. and revelation that I have been had been getting and not just me but a, a, a journey that 
Mike and I went through. We call it two chairs in the Holy Spirit, where we started dealing with things that we had not dealt with. Uh, things, A, that we didn't know we needed to deal, to deal with, and B, other things that we had tried to deal with before, you know, and uh, were unsuccessful uh, earlier on in our marriage. But when that started, when that we started on that journey, there were things that had happened to me personally in the sense of things that I had been carrying, maybe not even knowingly carrying, carrying, you know, prior to being married, carrying in my marriage, things that Mike and I didn't even know we needed to discuss or uh, uncover. Um, but when that, that started happening, I can only uh, describe it as being covered with a lot of just junk and mess from childhood into teenage years, into young adulthood um, that had hidden my sexuality to even know that I was a sexual being, that there should be things that I'm thinking about or feeling or desiring. And when we started unraveling and un, uh, uh, covering that in my own life, and of course that affected us as a couple, that I think turned into ministry for us. And as um, that turned into ministry, like anything we've done dealing with sexuality, people need and want the information and the wisdom. And, and so I think it even took on uh, a life of its own beyond what we thought maybe, but it's very interesting. So a, it started kind of with our own experience and things we were going through and dealing with, but also I think our culture and society may be at a place now that it wasn't at 10, 20, 30 years ago. So even, even three years yeah. ago. I mean, yeah. what's I mean, happened. just like it. Yeah. In yeah. the last two to three years, you, what's taken place. You know, I was thinking, sorry, I gave you more than five words. <laughs> uh, here, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to mansplain. But everything. Let me say, <laughs> it might be what you were going to say. I doubt when, it. When we started this, you know, maybe the, the next iteration of this teaching, uh, yeah. dealing with sexuality, especially dealing with female sexuality in early 2016, I think the landscape was different then, even to where it is now. 100%. Our personal landscape. And society, And the national yeah. landscape, mm -hmm. hopefully international landscape. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to shade four or five or anything, mm -hmm. but when candidate Trump not President Trump, but candidate Trump at that time announced, you know, when you're a celebrity, mm. women just let you do it. You kiss them right mm. on the mouth and grab them here. Da, da, da. There was a foreshadowing there mm -hmm. because he was telling us about the power mm. of celebrity, the power of male celebrity. And, you know, we kind of dismissed it as this disgusting. And again, I'm not talking about I'm not I'm not dealing with politics, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like, who does this guy think he is? He was just a figurehead for what was getting ready to be discovered as a lot of the ways. I was going to say, there are a lot more people yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. carried yeah. that thought. Yeah, as, as it turns out, you can go back now. <laughs> back then, Tim was like, oh, my gosh. But now it's like, where's the lie? Mm -hmm. That's saying exactly yes. what the power of celebrity does, the power of male uh, celebrity and, and, and uh, et cetera. So I say all that to say, um, if I had to offer my tiny opinion, uh, my slivered opinion, of where we are concerning feminine sexuality, we're two places. We're in an awakening and maybe a reckoning with things that are healthy 
but we're also unfortunately seeing sometimes the opposite of dysfunction is dysfunction. Mm. So for how many years has society thrown gasoline on the idea of male sexuality, that it burned and it was stoked and it was accepted, it was natural, undercut with uh, tones of violence, Mm. tones of dominance, tones of um, entitlement. And at the same time, those same forces poured water on the flames of feminine sexuality as though it should only be passive, receptive, cooperative. Uh, One of the things Connie always says, society, generally speaking, not universally, there's no universal statement, uh, at least as far as this goes, uh, puts men as the sexual center of the universe that women are to orbit. Mm -hmm. And what we're happening now, though, and this is uh, over the last maybe 20 years, uh, that sexual interest, sexual equality emerging for females in some places is turning to an equal and opposite sexual aggression. Mm-hmm. That what happens is we're, um, and I got to be very careful here because we're, I know we're on a podcast. I got to be very, I, I know you said talk freely, so I want to, I want to make sure I, we can be talk. Free. Freely. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one of the things that happens is, um, with the emergence of porn and the 24 hour access of porn and, and couples, many of them in a hookup culture, many of whom do not take time to study and serve Mm. and learn and love each other on an equal basis. Their common point of reference is porn. Mm -hmm. So the graphic aggression for, for a woman to be choked or slapped or any of the other things, which again, I'm, I'm trying to be careful. Um, the man does not know this woman. The woman does not know this man. But as we get into this theater, what common script do we appreciate? And so, whereas my concern is that we're not making room for feminine sexuality in the place of what God intended. Mm-hmm. We're making room for feminine sexuality to rival the dysfunction of longtime male sexuality. And I think That's it. that can, you know, it's like, so the house, you say, I grew up in a house where there was always screaming and I decided there'd be no screaming in my house. But sometimes you the opposite of not screaming is silence and not addressing issues. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I think is happening. So uh, I'm not afraid God's a big God. Um, but I think we can't shame the world when in the church, we didn't know what to do and we didn't talk about what to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things I considered, if I, I believe if you see societal failure, you can track it back up to a pulpit failure mm-hmm. because a lot of people sit in church and it goes, and you know, you've been part of our church. If, if, if the pastor's not talking about, Hey, when you get a shopping cart, put it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're done with your sandwich, don't throw it in the parking lot. Put it in the trash can. Well, you yeah. may not get that at home. Maybe mom and dad didn't teach you that. Maybe you didn't pick that up at school. But I think the church should be teaching part of that. But again, this one area is like talk to me about my bills. Talk to me about my life insurance. Talk to me about uh, um, uh, you know uh, uh, retirement. Talk to me about witnessing. Talk about this. But do not talk about how to be either an unmarried or married sexual creation of God. And so – I think that what's happening on the feminine side is very positive as long as it doesn't pick up and start to replicate the dysfunction that's been on the male side. So that's my, I gave you more than five words. You did, you did, you did. But I think it's encouraging that it's even a conversation now. Sure. Whereas, you know, it's interesting because you, you know, every so often we catch a movie maybe from the 70s or 80s and you see something in it and you think that. Yeah, yeah, that would not fly today. Yeah. How, how does so that and, ever get on screen? Yeah, yeah. And so that's encouraging to know that it's even in the part of a conversation. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you guys put it so well where, you know, you're just talking about, well, yes, it is good that we're no longer pouring water on feminine sexuality. However, comma, if it begins to replicate the dysfunction, I think, you know, giving y'all credit, I think um, you have said that on either side of truth is a ditch, you know, and mm-hmm. so going from one to the yeah. one extreme to the next is not necessarily yeah. what you want to be doing. Um, there's a, a nice balance, a tone of truth um, in God's original intent for sexuality so then on the heels of that so like what should it be what should things look like okay to to me i'll start this because this ties into what you're talking about the 2016 so i think one of the things that's happened is as the emerging understanding of the equality of female personhood Mm. is growing which is interesting because this is what paul speaks of paul does not speak of sexual inequality when he speaks in first corinthians 7 he describes man and man and woman unmarried and married as sexual equals Mm -hmm. um but somehow in the church and in society like you said in your classes etc the kind of general talking points are okay men have needs women you know if 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 they would be open-minded would find out it's not as bad as they think it is and this goes on to premarital counseling. This is what do- mothers pull their daughters aside before the honeymoon night and say, now listen, just, you know, it's, it's not as bad as you think and don't run. Uh, or again, we have now women being educated by the dysfunction that men were educated by because whereas porn um, in our parents' generation was very rare, a little more common in my generation, but 24-7, on demand, anywhere, at all times. And not only they just came out with a huge study and I'm not anti-porn. That's not my, of course I'm anti-porn for my Christian revelation, mm-hmm. for my understanding of exclusivity and true monogamy that God would not have us not view things that our eyes should not view that belong to another. Of course I believe that, but I'm not in the social crusade of it, but they were talking about pla- uh, brain plasticity um, and some of the regrooving and, and things like this. Um, so I think all of this is, is pleasure apart from personhood mm-hmm. and the masturbatory experience, the pornographic experience, is many times pleasure apart from personhood. It's it's kind of got one sense. Uh, masturbation is, uh, and again, we I don't know if we're going to get into that on the podcast, but um, it's uh, it's it's the simplest of all sexual activities, the purest, and by purest I mean most point to point and uncomplicated. But person sex is complicated. Mm. Uh, there's there's more than one dimension, more than one consideration. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's got sight, sound, smell, temperature, all these things. And Which porn has none porn of that. And the masculine yeah. experience has none of this. And so the more and more conditioned we become in the solo sex experience, apart from personhood, that's kind of the apex of it now where you have men in their 20s, guys probably just, in, I know you got out of graduate school, taking ED medication because mm-hmm. they're, you know, or, or unable to be aroused or unable to climax women uh, the same way. And that's what I'm saying. Hey, we're going to be more like men. Make sure you're not more like dysfunctional, broken men, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but here, here, here's the point I was getting to. So the change I think is, so if you have an understanding of feminine and female equality from creation, God made them male and female, God gave them dominion, God blessed them equal, 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 that will translate into institutional equality. Mm. So you're, you're no longer falling for the joke of, uh, uh, a little boy and his father uh, had an accident. The father was killed. 
they rescue the little boy, bring him to the hospital. The doctor says, I can't operate on my son. How is that possible? I don't know how that's possible because it was the mom. The doctor was the mom. mom. You no longer fall for that because the emergence of understanding of equal female capacity, equal female capability, equal female dignity and equality should translate into institutional perceptions. Mm -hmm. And getting that into the marital perception, if you perceive as, as, as creation as equal, then certainly in an institution as an equal parent, an equal partner, and equal in the marriage bed. But what I think happens is, and this was our story, and this is why I'm circling around with this, that Connie, I was a virgin when I got married. Connie was not, I don't know what the opposite of virgin is, but the opposite <laughs> no, of virgin. The yeah. opposite in the spectrum. Um, had lots of sex, lots of sexual interaction, more than, as we try to reconstruct the story, more than she can reliably recall. Well, I think this may be, okay, I know there was that, can't even put it back together again but was not a sexual being, had no interest in sex, never thought with her libido, never thought below her waist, never had erotic ideas, never cared, but learned to negotiate from her soul brokenness into a world where um, that was the platform for negotiation. And it was not, I will give you my sex in exchange for this. It was if getting my emotional brokenness addressed requires me to accommodate certain things, then so be it. So now I go in and she's explaining this past to me during our premarital time. And I go, okay, well, I understand what we're talking about. You've had sex. I've had sex. Mm. You've had sex. You've had sex and and I have not had sex, but okay, so we're good. And then we got into it and I was like, okay, where's the girl, you know, product not as advertised Mm -hmm. and, and working that out because the, the thing that needs to happen is I believe women are equally created sexual beings. I believe, in fact, women or females are more intrinsically sexual than males, contrary to what society has taught us. I certainly believe their capacity for sexual pleasure and enjoyment is higher than a man's. But we negotiate at different currencies, and when we get the same currency, we have different rates of exchange. Mm-hmm. So as long as there's power dynamics, as long as there's social yeah. dynamics, we're trading sex, but not equally. If I'm getting three for one, but she's only getting two for one, there's a difference. And so the, the non-sexual inequality spills over into the sexual inequality and marriage, which should be socially the great sexual equalizer that I'm not able to trade up, trade away. She doesn't have to give me this in exchange for that. She doesn't have to negotiate and wonder where I'll be. The marriage covenant says I am here. So therefore all guards should be let down and you should be able to be your truly created God self. Even in the institution of marriage, the church misteaches it and says, the man is still the center of the universe and the woman has to find her role. So, so I think we're getting better, but, but better orgasmically or better, uh, you know, I'll leave the lights on or I'm free or, you know, I, I, I watch porn just like, men. I don't think that's better. I think that a revelation of divine intent, a revelation of biblical equality that finds its expression outside the marriage bed among non-married people will spill into the marriage bed with married people. That, that's my, I don't know if you had a thought. No, that. that's very well put. And, um, it's interesting because I think people think they know what they're trying to describe with sexual or female, female sexual equality. But like you said, I think they sell themselves short in, well, I can do this just because a man can do it. And I think there's so much more, there's so much, I say benefit, but there's so much more richness Mm. in the marriage relationship, the, marriage, but sexual equality in the marriage 
there's so much more fruit or richness to be held, not just, well, I can, I can determine, you know, when we're going to have sex versus it always being him. Yeah. It, it also, yeah. But again, yes, totally. I agree. But again, it's pleasure apart from personhood, which is okay. So I can go out like a, like a guy can go out and try to find girls and three a week that he can sleep with on Tinder or whatever. A woman can do that too. A pleasure apart from his personhood is already leaving the man empty. Why would you want to replicate his emptiness? Yeah, I was going to say you're pulling out the the uh, the negative sides right. of male sexuality. Yeah, imitating where, yeah. imitating the brokenness. But, yeah. but I'm saying a woman's orgasmic capacity, the fact that it is greater than a man's, more diverse than a man's, say, okay, good, then I can experience that pleasure without equality, loyalty, commitment, friendship, communication, dignity, partnership. We may be asking more from sex than it, than it promises. And the more we try to get from it what it doesn't promise and it lets us down, we don't say, okay, I won't take it or leave it. We go harder after it and get emptier and go harder That's after it and say, get emptier. Yeah. It, it, I think what women may think that they're going to get by having, quote, unquote, sexual equality is not sexual equality yeah. at all. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay, sorry, we're rambling. Yeah. Sorry. We <laughs> no, probably you're figuring it out. It was good. It was so, so good. So, okay, so now we kind of have established, like, the two ends. There's dysfunction and dysfunction. So, like, what are the, from, like, a biblical perspective, like, what are the rules of engagement when it comes to sexuality? Um, for singles than for marrieds, because you know that's like a discussion now, especially for single people. Like, what are what are the boundaries? Um, and mm-hmm. so, but you guys also have a really, um, really unique way of, of laying out the bounds for married. So, if you could kind of speak to what the boundaries are as far as um, single sex, what the boundaries are as far as married sex. Okay, so this is an interesting thing because I've just finished in our next marriage book. I've just finished a section on masturbation and. I, I would start there. Um, so the, the, pro- the, the problem, so what happens is there's an emergence in uh, sexual awareness for different people at different ages. Some are very young, six, seven, and they're aware. Some start their masturbatory experience, even if it's not post-pubescent with the idea of full orgasmic capacity, they're aware of pleasure touches. Uh, Touches like in your description when you were little, you said it was more curiosity, whereas for me it was like, I don't know exactly what this is, but there's a there's a zen. Yeah, I was going to say that mine was void of any sort of pleasure or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. It was like, what's down there? And you can't say that one is male or one is female, which no, I think is a not at idea. all, because we've talked to enough females in. And, yeah, you know. so, so, so somewhere there's experimentation and discovery, and then as puberty onsets, there's there's kind of awareness and you hear rumors that maybe on the other side of this self touch, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a pot of gold on the other side of that rainbow. Um, and at some point, many people, although generally more people than men are more men than women. Uh, men, I think we just did a survey on the first orgasmic, uh, for, uh, masturbatory experience. And I think for men, it was upwards. It was by 18 years old. It was like, with the margin of error is a hundred percent. Women, I think even into 35, it was only about 75 to 80% of women had masturbated to, to orgasm. And it's interesting when they did that. Yeah. They were know? later and yes. women were typically later on the whole. They were, they were later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say all that to say that could be, we don't even know how to judge that 
because you would have to have women nurtured in the same sexual dysfunction society as men to even determine That's good, what yeah. is a natural mm. uh, stance or whatever. The, the, the gaze on the female body. Now, I grew up, we're a little older than you, but the movies were like Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's in the summer camp movies when it would always be the guys looking in the showers and three or four girls. You, you would never see in a movie like that at all the women looking through showers at four or five guys showering. Men would never be portrayed in a shower scene like that. <laughs> Talking to each other, oh, Phil, you're so funny. That would never happen in the movie years. <laughs> but I'm saying from five, six, seven, all the way up, that's what's that, that women visually are to be objectified. So now we get stats, like you said earlier, about, well, men are visually stimulated, women are emotionally stimulated. Is that, is that true or is that what men are, and women are conditioned to, to believe? Well, women get their emotional needs met through sex is a common thought. Well, maybe the other part of that is if men and women are not connecting conversationally, partnership, uh, problem solving together, maybe that's the only time that the man is even open to let down a guard to, to give any emotion. So we, we describe brokenness as though that's what should be. We're describing what is as though what should be. So, so the idea that I would be aware of the pleasure of self-touch, that maybe as I age, I become aware of the sexual appeal in other forms. But at where, how far can I take that self-touch as a Christian in the Christ-honoring soul before it transgresses over to sin? And that is the age-old question. Mm. And I would say that now you get into the bounds. And the bounds that we understand of sexual Eden, marriage, sex, uh, are these four kind of walls of sexual Eden. The first being exclusivity, that um, it's it's the husband and wife and no one else, not in mind or in comparison or in expectation or, or uh, uh, definitely not in, in physical form uh, or in imitation through some sort of toy or whatever. Number two, it's servanthood, that we're not here to dominate, we're here to serve. Number three, it's mutuality, dignity, equality, that, that we're equals in this bed. No one is above or, you know, and four is love. So now in the single experience, how can I be a fully designed, created sexual being? The Bible does not say if you have sexual desires, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, just fast and pray them away. Mm-hmm. It says find an outlet, not through fornication, but through marriage. Mm-hmm. Now here comes the thing. We say, okay, well, only through marriage. Well, only through marriage or the only outlet you should have or whatever outlet you take should not reach over a fence to access what is not yours. So first Thessalonians says, uh, when it talks about fornication, it says, let none of you go beyond and defraud your brother in this matter. So here's what's happened that the men who slept with Connie before they married me, they defrauded me because her body was not meant to be seen by anybody else. And she defrauded their wives. Because she knows things about their husband that 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 about their husbands that no one else should know. She can say, "Oh, I know where your husband was. He was at this place and this time. I know he looks like this. I know he's circumcised or not. And I know that how would, that that was intended for one person only. Mm-hmm. So there's a defrauding. But me, my ba- my background being exposed to pornography at six by my babysitter, then even deeper hardcore pornography at seven by another babysitter. I have also gazed upon." that which I should not behold. So here we have two broken, one virgin and one non-virgin, both sexually broken. One you would assume is the high functioning sexual being and one who's got to figure it out, none of which was true. But we carry this, these outside broken influences into this wall that's supposed to be exclusive. 
And I've got comparisons of other women I've seen. She's got comparisons of other men she knows. She's got expectations. I've got expectations, none of which came from God. They all came from this broken sexual experience. So can a person, and I'm just telling you my understanding of scripture, I don't know how a single, how an unmarried person could engage physically or sexually with another person that there's no covenant with, because in the absence of that covenant, they're beholding what belongs to another. Mm -hmm. And I would say even in the masturbatory experience, masturbating by porn, you're you're seeing in something you should not see. Uh, Masturbating even with the desire of, I saw this man on campus or I saw this girl on campus. You're, 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 it's covetous in nature. It seeks to possess what is not rightly entitled to. So the question becomes, can I just go to God as a sexual being say, God, these things feel good and have a generic imagination of being with my husband or being with my wife and in the presence of God, acknowledging my sexual creation. That's now the, 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 the razor on which we tread. And, you know, people always say, well, what can I do? Well, part of the problem is there are some people who are not the slightest bit awake that this type of discussion awakens and let me try it out. But then there are others who have been awakened in brokenness and are trying to somehow honor God in their body and soul in, in, in a way that also accounts for God. I've got desire that you did not say fast away or pray away. Add into that marrying later, add into that girls waking up, boys waking up in puberty earlier, 10, 11, 12 versus 12, 13, 14, but marriage, not at 16, 17, 18, but at 26, 27, 28. We've got to help the church singles navigate their identity as sexual creations in a healthy, God-directed way, not in a shameful way, so that when they get married, they're not bringing brokenness into that exclusive exclusive thing. That was a long answer. I think I probably talked nine minutes. So sorry. <laughs> but um, you asked the biggest question of questions. Yeah, it was a huge one. When people have questions, it always yeah, goes. Yeah, that. you you hit the one. Yeah. And I was going to say that stoking as a single person stoking that desire or whatever has been awakened through porn or through visualization conversation all of that that is not of god and teasing the edge i'm gonna i'm gonna joke and jest up to this point because whatever i'm stoking with this other person on my job or this other guy i can go home and satisfy later that's Mm -hmm. that to me is over the wall of the garden but it's, it's difficult. The Bible says that Lot, his righteous soul was vexed yeah. in his daily life through what he saw and heard. You know, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm sympathizing. Hey, <laughs> I hate to cut you off there. I'm sorry. But the next part, part two, will be up this following Monday. So in the meantime, marinate on it, you know, like just, you know, just soak in that like just think about it if anything like challenged you or was like oh that's kind of tight I don't know about that that's cool sit with the Lord talk it through figure out where he's at on it for you and for your life you know um but I didn't want us to not have a conversation about this very real place where we live as women especially um in our sexuality and what that looks like and what that means single or married um so let's you know we're, we're going to have the conversation. <laughs> but, you know, this new episode means that it's a new Monday. And man, the world can feel crazy, y'all. I'm in Florida, in America. That means we are a pandemic hotspot for this little COVID situation. That's cool. Um, my faith and expectation are still resting on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Like, I think sometimes we can get discouraged and, you know, downtrodden and feel frustrated when we're looking and communing with our problems. But I just encourage you, man, like, look at the Lord. 
Look at his endless power. Look at his ability for you. Look at his heart towards you. Stare at that. Fellowship over that. Marinate in that. And walk into your week empowered with that knowledge that he has gone ahead of you. He's made crooked places straight and rough places smooth. He is with you in the midst and you are an heir of God. So everything he has, you have. And he is also your rear guard so that goodness and mercy pursue you all the days of your life to overtake you. That's how you walk into your week. I love you. Boss it out. Bye. Thank you.